Hey pals, I'm Dominic, and this is the DC Tech Talks podcast, originally recorded on Thursday, September 19th, 2019. Hey pals, last week I talked about the uh, BlackBerry and my love affair for BlackBerry and how I had temporarily temporarily switched over to a BlackBerry to just have some fun with an old favorite and then what I ended up learning which was the keyboard's maybe not as great as what I remembered it and this whole feeling of how nostalgia really changes our our perspective on things. This week I want to talk about something instead of the past something that's brand brand new and it's still phone related uh, but I want to get into the bliss I would say, because it's also the bliss launcher, of the slash E slash OS. It's got a goofy name. It is a Android ROM. It's an Android ROM with no Google or as much Google as possible stripped out of the ROM. So it's really interesting. I've been playing with it on my Honor 5X. Uh, it's one of the officially supported devices at the aftermarket devices. Uh, they're a really interesting company. And I want to get further into, uh, yeah, the ROM is cool and looks great. But what they're doing behind the scenes is actually what's most intriguing to me and how they're setting up their cloud services. Before we really get into it, I just want to remind you, you can go check out obscurednarration.com. You can see the blog. You can get all the subscribe and follow links to all my stuff right there on that website. You can also get the subscription to sign up for my uh, DC Marketing Mix newsletter. This is a digital newsletter that I send out once a week that's all about digital marketing. And so that's what I do for my day job. And I just want to share the things that I find interesting, especially in the B2B digital marketing world and so if that's something that you're interested in you can head over to obscurednarration.com you can find all the ways to subscribe to that newsletter you can also email me obscurednarration at gmail.com if you'd like to comment on this show or previous shows or any of the blog posts you want to comment directly to me you can do that email me obscurednarration at gmail.com you can also follow me on twitter at dom corvo again all the links for that are on the website <clears throat> okay so let's really get into it earlier this week i wrote about and play it around with using slashy OS. Uh, it's kind of a funny name and it makes it really, really difficult to Google anything about it because it's slashy slash. It's got the forward slashes around both the, on either side of the letter E. And so when you search for that, of course, your browser thinks that you're looking for a specific file in a location. So you have to like put quotes around things and you have to go into, into the search bar instead of the address bar to be able to search for it. And then Google thinks that you're talking about the entertainment network, E exclamation point. So it's it's really difficult to do any searching on, but I'll put links to the show, to all this stuff inside of the show notes uh, on, the, on the website, obscurenation.com. And in any of your podcast apps, you'll be able to find the links to this stuff. I first got wind of this on Twitter after a couple of people that I follow in the Linux world have been talking about it because it was a big release for the slashy OS launch. And they really made big news back in May is when major tech news had picked it up where they were advertising that you could go to their website and you could buy refurbished Samsung phones. I think the S7 and the S9. And they're refurbished as in, okay, cleaned up and there were used devices before, but they've been, Android has been taken off of it and slash EOS has been put onto it for you. So if you wanted to buy a phone out of the box with the ROM already installed on it, instead of working with an OEM manufacturer, you could just buy it directly from them, a refurbished phone that already has the ROM on there, which is obviously really common inside of the ROM community. Rarely do the ROMs 
come pre-installed on a device. CyanogenMod tried it back in the day. I know that some other third-party systems like um, the PinePhone is working on it right now. Purism has the Librem 5. They're working on their own hardware. And then there's other operating systems. Librem 5 is a different story. <clears throat> That has uh, PureOS on it, which is a custom-written operating system that's just for the Librem 5. And then things like the PinePhone, or in the past, where Ubuntu has tried to make a, mo a mobile operating system, they've worked with an OEM ma manufacturer to make hardware that specifically worked with their operating system. In all of those cases, those are custom Linux operating systems that are running on the hardware. For slash EOS, it is Android. It is AOSP Android, but with Google pulled out of it now you can run lineage os without gups on it but eos is going further in that they've stripped out the google frameworks that are underneath like the google play services and the um location and mess push messaging frameworks that are inside of android and replacing it with something called micro tree now i'm going to come back to that what really caught my attention with the slash e other than it being the ungoogled and that you could buy the phones with slash EOS already on it is that they are a all-in, no apologies, open source company. They're a foundation, a nonprofit foundation, plus the company side of it. So they'll sell things and they're selling more modern phones. In the ROM community, one of the best things about ROMs is that you can find really old hardware and it's still supported. For example, I have an S4 that I like to play around with, and Lineage OS is still supported. The most recent version is still supported on the S4. So if you happen to have one of the devices that you can unlock and maybe even root, and you can install your own custom firmware onto there, that's what custom ROMs are really best at. Then secondly, this is in my opinion, then if you have a phone, say a Samsung phone, and you don't like all the bloatware that comes with it, well, then you can unlock your phone. You can install Lineage OS or one of the other custom ROMs, and you can put you can get rid of all the Samsung bulletware that comes on it. That's the second best thing about doing the ROMs. But in almost every case, you look at it, and you look at the instructions. It walks you through how to also install Google Apps. Slash E is unapologetically open source. To the point where they might even be free software, borderline there. There's still some pr proprietary blobs either because they have to get the hardware to work and things like that. But they are unapologetically open source. And everything that they do under the hood is just attempting to be as open source as possible. And when I first installed it and I looked at the list of devices, there's about 80 devices that they currently support. You can buy the one straight from them or you can install on on an existing phone which is the traditional rom source you install it yourself the little twist is that you can buy them straight from them which really reduces the barriers if you're not someone who likes to tinker and play and install roms and willing to take the risk of maybe breaking a phone a really expensive phone by trying to install an aftermarket firmware on your phone then this would be easiest for you because you would be able to just buy something out of the box guaranteed to work. But for me, I already had a device and I wasn't going to spend uh, the money to buy a refurbished phone. And so I just installed it on my Honor 5X. And I've talked about that a bunch, about how it's kind of a play phone. And I install a bunch of different ROMs on there. I was lucky 
to be able to unlock it right before Huawei locked down that system where you can unlock their phones. So it's just something I like to play around with. It's also low end on the hardware spec as far as modern phones go. And so it really struggles with Google Apps on there. Even with the custom ROMs and even if you do as little Google Apps as possible, you do like the Pico or the Nano Google Apps on there, even running the Google Play services, it really slows the phone down. And so in the past when I've run Lineage OS, I really tried to just remove as much of that as possible or install it without any Google Apps. That way it'll perform better. But I still need certain app support and there's two apps that are really important to me which is Imgur because I just like to have fun and Todoist which has essentially my entire life. My entire life is inside of Todoist and I don't know what I would do if I didn't have access to it and it's, it's actually caught my attention recently because it's so much in there and you look at what happened with Wonderlist or Google or Google Microsoft has now officially closed it down. You have to transition over to a new Microsoft app after they bought Wonderless. This really scared me. I mean, I am really, really all in on Todoist. I have several if this and that recipes set up that automatically remind me. I have whole calendars that automatically sync to it. And so that's a absolute must have. And that's one of those apps that relies on some Google frameworks under the hood in order for it to work, how it work for push notifications. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but I've just run into problems before when I don't have any Google Play services installed on the phone with that app working. So I was really hesitant when I first saw that they had stripped out all this stuff and replaced it with Micro G, which is something that I've never heard of before. And that goes back to Slash E and how they are just unapologetically open source. And they are very much privacy first. Too is a quote that's from their website. We build mobile operating systems, apps, and code that put users' privacy first before profit. And this is something that a lot of people are talking about. I mentioned former Ubuntu and Linux phones or active phones like the Librem 5. This is also something that Apple obviously consistently points at, that they are not Google. They are not in the business of selling your data. They're not in ad business. That's not how they make their money. So you can trust them and they're a more private operating system. But compared to the Linux stuff and also Apple, Apple obviously is locked to their hardware. So that means you have to buy even 600, the new $650, $699, whatever it is for the new iPhone 11, which is supposed to be the quote-unquote less costly option. You still have to buy their hardware to buy into their ecosystem. It won't work with, like say, the Linux desktop, and that's what works for me. So that means that you have to kind of play in the Apple world. Then if you want to use Android, there are ROMs that you can use, but you can't necessarily unlock every single device and it doesn't work the best on every single device. And for me, when I make an Android purchase, the first thing that I look at is, is this phone supported by aftermarket ROMs? That's one of camera, and this is supported by aftermarket ROMs. Those are the two most important things that I look at for a phone. Then it comes down to, oh, what's the screen, and what's the refresh rate, and how long does the battery last? All that stuff is secondary compared to those two things. What I like about slash EOS and the foundation and what they're doing over there is that they're not creating a totally new operating system. They're taking AOSP and just removing Google from it. So it does make it into kind of their own distro, but it's not, they're not rewriting the operating system from scratch. So this is very similar to um, Debian and Ubuntu in my eyes, that you would have uh, stock Debian and it has, or if you were to reverse it, if Ubuntu was the stock, then you have Debian, which strips a, bu a bunch of stuff out of 
Ubuntu. That's not how it works. I know it's the opposite way that Ubuntu is based on Debian, but if you imagine if it was the, the other way, if that Ubuntu was the base and then there was a list of people that don't like the Ubuntu stuff that's inside of it, so they make Debian that strips out all that stuff and you get a more basic version of the phone. They don't, But they don't have to rewrite the underlying kernel and code and the base of the operating system. They're just making tweaks on top of it. It's still additional, still takes a lot of work, but they're not writing their custom operating system, which means that Android apps will work instead of PROS or um, Plasma Mobile or any of those things where they're trying to make Linux desktop apps work and then also asking app makers to make apps for their hardware or, or their operating system or trying to find hacks to make Android apps work. Kind of like uh, Sailfish OS or YOLO, whatever they're called now, how they're hacking that to try and get Android apps to run on their operating system. This is Android. The only thing that they need to do is that they need to replace the Google Framework services underneath, and that's where MicroG comes in. Now, there's a lot of apps, like I mentioned before, that they are really dependent on Google Play services, the Maps API, the Google Cloud, two-device messaging, you know, things for notifications. It's built into the app. And so the owner for the app to function, it is looking for those things. And if it can't find those things, it's just not going to work. And I've run into a bunch of times without having those things installed. And then you have to just decide on which things I'm willing to use in the browser versus actually having the physical app. You could use the F-Droid store, but there's not an open source version of every single app. And, I tr- and for e- my testing on EOS, I try to stay as close to F-Troid as, as I could. But Mjourn to do is the two things that like, I just can't go without. And so I needed to use those two apps. MicroG replaces Google Play services, Maps API, all that other stuff. It replaces that with a FOSS version of those things. So that when those apps are looking for it, they still get it. But instead of it being built by Google, it's being built in the MicroG. And they're able to accomplish this through some signature spoofing to make it think that the app is doing it. It's, it's, it really feels like it's like wine. You know, a, a Windows app is looking for DLL files and uh, wine is just doing the translation to Linux files. That's kind of what this is doing. And I don't know enough about the code to say specifically how it's working but it is a FOSS version of these things to make it so that things from the play store that use the google play services frameworks they can just work out of the box and it works really well in their app store you can go in and find spotify facebook you can even find youtube and other google apps which is really interesting to me that you can go in and you can download those apps and install it on a phone that worth all the google services have been ripped out but this and then when you run them it just works it's like magic. They All these apps just work. And I'm a big fan of how they're able to do that. Now, I don't know how the App Store works and how they're pulling apps from the Play Store onto their phone. That's something I'd love to get some more information on and how they're actually doing that. But like I was saying, all those pr- proprietary apps, they're right there in the App Store that comes as the default App Store on the phone. And I did read about some services that you could run yourself. You could self-host. That is like... It pulls apps from the app store onto your own server, and then you can use that. You can point F-Droid to that repository, which is a totally separate topic. Really freaking cool, and I would love to set up something like that. I did some some glances at it to see how I could set up my own, because it's really cool that you could then 
have the play store inside of F-Droid, and that might be how they're doing this. And they just have a, a, a skinned version of F-Droid that's also pointed to this repository because inside of their app store, you can also get F-Droid apps. Um, but it worked really well, and I was really impressed with it. And like I said, the app store is one of the default apps that comes on it. There's other default apps that come in there, like that are just forked versions of other open source things so like there's an email client it's actually just canine there's a calendar it's etar there's a browser it's chromium there's a mapping application it's magic earth there's a weather application it's good weather it's just forked and then skinned versions of those apps of those open source apps that come default on their phone so you have micro g which is replacing the google framework services and then you can install that on you can go into the play store and install other play store apps but then they also have their own default apps, which are forked versions of open source applications. And together, everything just works. It just works really well. And the only downfall in all of this that I, that, that I don't like, the only thing in all this that I don't like, when we're talking about the default apps and the interface and how the apps work and what's under the hood is the Bliss Launcher. Now, the Bliss Launcher is something that they have made themselves, the E Foundation made themselves as they launched this specifically for the slash EOS. They advertise it as being um, cleaner looking and friendlier to use. It's just iOS. It's exactly the same as square icons, uh, big square icons, uh, no app drawer. You got to put things in the folders. You can't put apps anywhere you want to on the desktop or phone top, whatever you want to call it. Um, they all just go to the top left and then they go in order and then you can move them around and you can put them in folders, but you, there's no app drawer and they're big square funky icons and uh, you long tap on the icon and it comes up where you can hit the little minus, you can uninstall the app. It's, I mean, it is as close of a clone to iOS as you can get without calling it iOS, which then also begs the question on if you made an operating system that is de-googled and then also skinned the launcher to look exactly like iOS. Did we just remake the iPhone? And eh, that makes it feel kind of funny to me because I don't like the iPhone interface. And a lot of people would argue then, it's like, what is the differentiator for this from apple and ios and slash eos what is the actual difference between those two operating systems because apple is or ios is de-googled <laughs> there's no google in it so what is the actual difference for me it's because you can install it on your own phones and that you still get the customization of android so i can just install a different launcher and uh, that's one of the first things that I played with, but I decided for my testing that I would just stick with the Bliss Launcher. That way I can just feel out on how it works. I'm just still, you know, not much of a fan of it. Uh, I'll probably install a custom launcher at a later time on top of the operating system. Um, but, you know, that's the only negative that I really found. The extreme positive on this is not necessarily their ROM or their forked versions of their android apps for the for the default apps or the um app store that they built or micro g it's actually their cloud services now they call it ecloud.global that's the website that that it's at as part of their beta launch and slash eos talks heavily on their website and their marketing about how phones are not just an operating system on a little piece of hardware that is a full ecosystem that calendar and messaging and tasks and notes and documents and contacts and all that stuff needs to be synced into the cloud and that's part of an ecosystem where you have because they're basically trying to replace drive 
docs and sheets and tasks like keep and their tasks and the contacts and Gmail, they need to replace all of those things that you can't just say like in other realms, like here's an email application and then you still go sign up for a Gmail account. This is saying if you get our phone, you can also sign up for our cloud services, get an email address from us and then also get access to cloud storage which gives you Google Drive-like functionality where you'll be able to create documents, share them, share folders, work collaboratively in the cloud, access it from your desktop or your laptop while also your phone or just straight into the browser. So I set all this up just so I can get the full experience, went on to the browser, went to go create an account and create my password because I wanted to put it in my password manager before and instead of just making a bad password on my phone. When I got to it, it's clearly Nextcloud. And when you go look at their documentation, they're all in on it. They talk about what other open op, open source programs that they're using. That they're using Nextcloud as their cloud hosting. And that they're using a few other open source programs like OnlyOffice and a couple other that I'm drawing a blank on. Or how they're hosting their cloud services. So they didn't, they took Android and just stripped out Google instead of making their own operating system. They took open source applications and just forked them and skinned them instead of creating all new applications. And then in their cloud services, they just took existing cloud offerings that are open source servers and that are well supported, fully or not maybe not fully funded, but funded and professionally available cloud services that are well known in the community and made those available to you as their cloud service instead of inventing a whole new system. And this keep coming back to is that that's my favorite part in this is that they didn't invent new is that they just took existing open source communities and applications and merge them together to make something that is really great. And then because it's Nextcloud, other desktop applications and other applications that are that other people have built that are on top of that will work. And then they've made it so that you can deploy, it's in beta right now, but you can deploy your own self-hosted version of it. And then in your phone, point everything to your self-hosted version. You don't have to use their implementation of Nextcloud. You can make your own and then point their systems and services to it. Now, there's a couple things that you need to do on the back end. So the phone is getting the information in a way that it's expecting. But that's the benefit here is of using existing open source technologies and server op systems and apps is that you can still make you can make it your own and that is the difference between it and ios the ios you're still locked into either proprietary apps from the app store or whatever apple gives you this is giving you the power that if you want to spend the time to write the code or to self-host your own cloud that you can do that and it's really a double win for me because then seeing Nextcloud and knowing that Nextcloud apps say on my desktop so if i'm if i create this account or if i do self-hosted I can plug it into my existing Nextcloud desktop application. It's just another server that's available in there. I can do some federated servers between my own self-hosted and the, uh, like say, two different self-hosted, one for work and one for personal. You know, I, I can use all the tools that, that are available for Nextcloud. And then seeing how slash E implemented Nextcloud, it made me see just how powerful that system is. I've dabbled in it in hosting my own but I'm not a full-time professional sysadmin. Seeing it deployed in a professional installation 
man, Nextcloud is really freaking good. It is really powerful, works really well. Now, the question is, is if you want to use the slash E service, do you trust them as much as you trust, say, Google or Apple to protect your files? And that's yet to be seen. You have to see how they work. But it looks so great as of right now that I would be tempted to just pay them instead of getting the free Google services to pay eCloud for or pay the slash e foundation for cloud for their cloud offering because it's just it's open source they're pay, they're funding other open source communities and applications and that money would be going to a better place and this is a better organization so I'd actually be okay with paying for it. I'd love to see some security auditing to make sure that everything's good. And then also you don't control them as a corporation. So like, yeah, okay, you can't control in the future what they decide to do if they want to sell your data if they, or if they sell it to someone else. If they want to then like, oh no, we're going to start scraping data. So you have no control over that. So that's just part of the decision process that you have to make when you're thinking about using someone's cloud services, not just what are they doing right now, but what could they possibly be doing in the future. But the way that it looks... And the things that I talked about, which is they didn't make new. They just modified existing and that goes so much further. The only thing that's really made new in here is the Bliss Launcher. But even then, it's just on top of Android. And I really have, I really, really have enjoyed using Slash EOS on my Honor device. It works way better. The battery is, has been so far better. Stuff to gauge is an older device. The battery is older. So it's hard for me to say for sure, like this battery is working a lot better if feels like it's better but then again the battery doesn't last that long anyway because it's an older battery but the operating system itself has worked really well and the micro g services have worked really well and any applications that i've wanted to install even just to test to see if it would work it worked and i never felt like i needed to grab a laptop or or like my samsung tablet to do the one thing that that phone was missing it was just able to work and because it's android i then can expand if i want to get a different launcher or if i want to install some custom apps or if i want to get some stuff from the app store i can still do all that stuff and the real eye-opener was their cloud services and just just so impressed by how integrated it is with their device and their operating system how the apps work with it and then how it is in the browser and on the desktop and that you can self-host it if you want to like their cloud services are super super impressive and so i'm a huge fan of what it is that they're trying to do and this the offering that they have and where they're trying to go I'm a big, big fan of what it is that that they're doing. And it really checks every box out of one out of a mobile OS. Degoogled, but still access to Android apps. Um, you can integrate your own cloud systems and you can still customize the same way that you can do with Android. As they continue to move forward on their cloud services, I'll be paying really close attention. I've done some things where I've like taken a Google calendar and put in the um, Cal feed into my eCloud calendar just so it appears in there. Worked just fine. Email seems to be working just fine. Not switching over to tasks. As I said, I really love Todoist. To but um, if it continues to work the way that it has in the last week, like, I'm just all in on slash E. So if you have a device that will work with slash E, I really encourage you to check it out. Even if you have just, just a test device or something that you can throw at it, I really encourage you to go check it out and uh, see how it works and see what you think of it. And I'd love to hear hear your thoughts on it too. Email me, obscurednarration at gmail.com. Let me know how you what your experience is with it. And then also what you think of this de-Googled Android versus just iOS and what the differences are and why you would use one over the other. And if you think this is worth the effort 
either putting into it, email me, obscurenarration at gmail.com. You can also tweet at me at Dom Corvo. I'd love to hear your thoughts there too. And if you like to see some more stuff from me, you can also go follow me on Twitter and see all the stuff that I got going on. Be sure to check out that website, obscurednarration.com. You can see all the links to subscribe, all the ways to follow all this content, to read the blogs, to subscribe to this podcast, and also to subscribe to that digital marketing newsletter. I really encourage you to go check that out. Uh, if you don't want to subscribe, every week is right there on the website too. So if you just want to read it and see what's going on in the world of digital marketing, you can check that out there. I really appreciate you hanging out with me today and listening to this podcast. I'd love to hear your thoughts about this topic and any other topic. I just love to talk tech. So just head on over to that website, find all the ways to contact me. That's going to do it for me today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you all next time. Bye pals.